Legend team. Heroes. Scumbags. Countrymen. It's um it's been a it's been a few days since Miles funeral and I thought I would come on for a wee bit and just talk to you talk about the great man himself and in a in a weird way um try and get back to some kind of normality even though nothing is normal anymore it is not normal <laughs> it's 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 strange that when you lose somebody extremely close to you that so many little things start to remind you of them um, and in a strange way you, you you believe they're still here and depending on what you depending on what you believe about these things and what happens to you after you die and all that I, I, I hope I hope he is with me in some way it has it's been it's been a long time <laughs> since I have set the full rig up with backlighting and overhead and the camera and the microphone in fact, when I was doing it today, uh, I'm realising just how long it takes me to do this now. And also, I'm realising this is the first time that I've had the full pod set up since probably the middle of November. Which shows me how long it's been since, you know, I've sat and done this. And I have I have missed it desperately. I've missed talking to you. I've missed podcasting, I've missed saying things out loud, which might sound strange, but I am realising yet again that this is a this is a form of therapy for me, this is how I deal with things, I've not been doing well, understandably, I've not been doing well the last, you know, few months, and this is what I have missed, um, so we... We will get back into things. We'll go back into the swing of, th swing of things. And to the heroes who remain heroes, who continue to support the podcast, the podcast will continue on. It is never going to be what it was. It's never going to be Mal and I ever again. I... No matter what happens... I know it's never going to be that, but I am extremely grateful that we had that time together. I'm extremely grateful that Mal and I had almost 200 episodes together, and I'm just glad that it exists, because one thing that I've realised as well, and actually the missus and I were talking about it, um, and I'll go on to talk about the funeral in a minute, but... There are people who will lose someone every single day. Uh, many of you will have lost some friends, family, loved ones, people who are extremely close to you. And you will have very few photographs of them, let alone will you have hundreds of hours worth of you and your dear mate 
laughing your fucking tits off at the stupidest things ever. Black James Bond, Neds in Space, Dutch Polis, Pedo Hunters, <laughs> to name but a few. And it just hit me that there are people who have lost family members, who have lost friends, and it gets to a point where they've been gone for so long that they even forget what their voice sounded like. Now, the one thing I'll never forget about Mal is that laugh, as none of us will. But it has certainly kind of hammered home the point that, for me personally, I don't take enough photographs. I don't take enough videos. I have almost no footage of me doing early days of stand-up. And I have very few photographs of me doing stand-up. I have very few photographs of me with the missus, with the Wayne, doing things. And it's not because I'm one of these people who is like, you know, I mean, I do hate social media, but I'm not, I'm not against that kind of thing. I'm not anti, I'm not anti-photograph, you know. But I always are of the opinion that, hey, just live in the moment, guys, you know, just live in the moment, man. All you, it's just a sea of cameras, you know. Just put, hey, put the phone down, guys, and just live in the moment. And there, listen, there's an argument for that as well. Many an occasion has been ruined by a, by a smartphone, but with how fragile life can be, which I have been shown that in the last couple of weeks. Having memories is great, and building memories is great, but having something tangible to sit and look back on is, at a time of grief, arguably even better. So, you know, get out and live your life, man, and take as many pictures as you can. Because there may come a time when you don't you don't have that person around and you'd love nothing more than to sit and look through old photographs of them. I would also even go as far as to say that everybody should start a podcast with their best mate or a group of mates. You don't need to, you don't need to put it out. You don't need to have it on Spotify, you don't need their Patreon. But just think of some of the amazing conversations and laughs that you've had with your friends over the years. And then being able to sit back and listen to them again or discuss them again. I don't know, there's something nice in it. So I am I am extremely grateful that I have the footage that we have of us. Um, but I want to get back to talking again because talking and doing this and talking shite talking about funny stories talking about the news I've missed it man I've missed it desperately with my mate I am I'm not there yet but I am coming to terms with the fact that I'm not going to get to do it again with Mal But I want to continue on in some in some way because I I am not letting the podcast die. It's not gonna happen. We will we will continue on 
and we will be laughing again and telling stories again and we will remember Mal forever on this podcast uh, regardless of what I do in the future he will never be forgotten and I will make sure of that and I know the heroes will as well he's still fucking get, he's still got me he's still fucking getting to me <laughs> oh, I miss him I miss you you bastard when we first started doing the the show the podcast together we used to record in Mal's studio, right, and I, I cannot stress this is a studio with a small S, right, it was a box, no, let's just go back to the start, so we had started talking, we met at a charity fundraiser, uh, which was the Catherine McCune Foundation run with Derek McCune, and we started talking, we met there, started talking, and I, 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 I was trying to think about this when I was writing stuff down, um, to say at the funeral, and I got the. Uh, in fact, I'll I'll see if I can find it before I, I'll see if I can find it before I go. I I have a notepad, which I tend to write down ideas in. So I put notes in my phone. This is for stand up. This is for comedy. I put notes in my phone, and I. If I think something's got legs, so if I still think about it after a few days, I then put it into this notepad, just just one line or one word, something like that. And uh, if I'm still thinking about it in a, a week or two, or I'm sitting and I'm going back through the notepad, and I think that it's something that's interesting, or there's something that I could maybe tie it on with to make a bigger bit, then I take it into this big pad that I have and I'll start to work through ideas, and that's how I kind of do stuff. And it's all very... It's all very much just kind of bullet points and stuff off the head, but if if, if there's something that sticks with me, I'll, I'll try and work on it. <coughs> so last week, <coughs> actually a week ago today, I sat down and I opened my pad up with the intention of starting to write down some bullet points about Mal, some ideas, some stories or things I wanted to talk about. And when I opened the page up, I opened the page up at a picture of a giant bobby. And Mal had, Mal, he would do this to me all the time. Whenever, whenever I would go out to go to the bathroom or something like that, he would go through my notepad and just draw cocks. Some would fill a full page some would be in a top corner or a bottom corner. There'd be times when you'd be going through it, writing stuff down, and then you would move over to the next page and not realise there's a fucking spunky bobby. <laughs> but even to the point where, when we started doing it by Zoom, it would still get me, because we would do the live shows or the live recordings, or he would come and see a gig and things like that, and I would, if I left the room for a second, he would go straight into my bag, get my notepad, and just draw fucking cocks all over <laughs> So that definitely made me smile as soon as I done that. And I thought that's probably the, the best artwork he's ever done. An, an original, a true original Malorca Lee right there. And in the, in the end, I thought it was best just to go up at the funeral and and, and just talk. And that's, uh, that's what I did in the end. 
the dog's just sitting down next to the lights. The funeral itself, let's just get that out of the way. It was uh it was an incredible send off, man. It really was. It was absolutely incredible. Um I actually don't think it could have been any better on the day. We had, well, a, f a friend, Mark Sherry's, had spoken to somebody at the company who does the live feed because they couldn't attend, so they were trying to, to watch it. And from what we understand, there was over 50,000 people watching the live stream. That's why it was buffering. The guy from the tech support had said that they hadn't experienced volumes like that before and that <clears throat> the system can max out at 50,000 users so oddly that in itself was quite comforting in a way you know there was a lot of talk in the day about love and a lot of reference to Mao's own words about love being our one true currency and it just showed you the, the love for the man that was all over the world I mean, 50,000 people, you know. That's not just inertia. That's everywhere. We know that people in Australia are watching. People in Thailand. Obviously, the kids in the uh, factory in China were watching. <laughs> I did I did say jokingly uh, during my wee bit at the funeral that he would be raging that there wasn't a merch stand. And I'm half joking because he would have been raging that there wasn't a merch table at that funeral. But it, it was an amazing, it really was an amazing turnout. And everybody who spoke on the day, I was saying this to Ross, Scottish Adele, that everybody who spoke, it was so different, each speech, and yet so so right for each of those people. I was worried about Big Sherry because we'd been talking during the week and he wasn't sure if he was going to say anything. And, you know, we just reassured him that there would be everybody who was there over there to support him. And, and then on the day, was, he was fucking brilliant. He was absolutely brilliant. I thought everybody was brilliant. And it was just beautiful to see, man. It really was. I, I actually didn't realise just how many people were there until I got up. I was doing okay at the start when I was talking. I was all right, and then... I, Two things, I, I looked up and I was shocked just at the volume of people who were jammed into the room. And then through the windows at the back of the room, I could see people outside. In fact, I could just see, to to my right, so if you were looking at the room, you'd have been in the far left window. But to my right, I could just see somebody in a white ultrasonic beanie. And then uh, my eyes kind of settled and I realised just how many people were outside of the venue as well and that got me and then I saw Angel at the front and that Angel crying that just set me off and that was me and then I was really I was really struggling I thought I was going to be quite cool and calm and collected if I was being honest I was the whole day I was fine the whole day and then once I got there I blubbling I, I idiot nearly fell apart but it was amazing to see the love in the room it really was it really, really was. And to different people who had travelled, you know, some distance to be there, it was it was amazing to see. And I know that Maria and the family 
it meant a lot to them as well. But yeah, so start the pod, man. So when we first we first got together, we I never wanted to kind of impose on anyone. And Mal had said, "Look, I've got a studio. Why don't we come and record in my studio?" And I remember at the time thinking, "Fucking hell, we've cracked it, man." I thought it was going to be like, in gla- I actually thought it was going to be like some. You know when you see like videos of rap guys like Kanye West and Kanye West and JZ and they're in the studio and it's like the big mixing desk and the sound booth. That's what I thought it was going to be. I thought we were going to be recording in a full production studio. Little did I know it was a box room in Paisley. And I remember going and he's saying, it's at my house, mate. And I, I still, even when I was driving up, I remember thinking, maybe he's got... Cause let's look at it. It's not. It's not a high rise flat. It was in right. It was a fucking cracking big house in Paisley. But I, I thought maybe they've built something into the garden. You know, like one of those garden offices. Beautifully clad building inside big production suite. No, it was a fucking box room. <laughs> it was a fucking. It was a fucking box room. And he had this awful desk, man. I I hated that desk that he had. It was like a kid's desk, like a kid's gamer desk. With just cables and shit everywhere, man. It was the most badly organised studio I've ever... It, it would give me anxiety if that was in my house. Like, if I was sitting here and I knew I had a studio up the stairs with that much mess in it, the anxiety levels would be insane. But somehow it worked for him. And he would go in, man, and here's the thing, right, when we got to recording every week, or even at the points when we were just turning up to record, when we were doing it monthly and fortnightly, it wasn't a big setup. Like, it got to the point where it was, because the early days there was no camera, it was just audio. So it was three microphones plugged into an amp, which went into the computer and we recorded on the computer. That was it. Now, if you don't have a room and you only have that equipment, it's taking you 10 minutes to set it up. Three microphones, in an amp, three mics in people's hands, plug it in, away you go. And for some reason, this took this took one hour minimum every time. It, it, Gary used to do his fucking nut every single... Because we would come in, the three of us would... And do you know what, and I apologise because I feel like I'm going off in tangents here, but it's just as I'm remembering stuff. He used to he used to open the door, right, obviously, to greet you, to welcome you in. And sometimes he would open the door and it would be, you know, hey, there, there, like, we just do it. Or we would take the piss or you pretend you're gypsy. <laughs> Which is a, I know, I know it's, we're all going to get cancelled eventually, but he would open the door and I would be standing there. And to get into his house, there was steps, you had to go up steps, they were in the, the top half of the house. So you're, you're already down low, and he would open the door and you'd be like, Good morning, sir. Do you, do you own the, are you the man of the house now? Do you own the home here? What it is, we're in the area and we're, we're tarmacking roads now, driveways, there. it's 1500 cash for the full drive now. Can I talk to you? Is your good lady and can I talk to you? And he would, him and I would do this for five minutes, we'd go back and forth. <laughs> or he would put on some other weird accent and we would just play with it, and I, and I loved it. I loved that because it was just daft. 
<clears throat> and oddly, that there is what the podcast became. You know, those those three minutes that we used to have when I first turned up before Gary got there. <laughs> That's what the show became, just daftness. But we would go in, we'd sit in, uh, in Miles' kitchen and uh, we would have a cup of coffee and chat shit and uh, talk about gigs and talk about stuff that was coming up or stuff we had to do or things we were going to talk about and sometimes people would say things and we'd always go, hey, 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 save that, save that for the show, save that for the show. And Maria used to make apple cake and used to make different things and Mal would give you the cheap biscuits and he would begrudge giving you a bit of cake and he always made a terrible coffee, man. <laughs> he always made... He always made a fucking awful cup of coffee. <laughs> He's one of those people where, you know like if you go to somebody's house and they go, do you want a coffee? And then you get a cup of coffee. Not my, not my luckily. He would give you, a, what you could argue is, the essence of the coffee. So he would put coffee granules, right? And I mean, Nescafe or, or some kind of own brand. You get a spoon of it in a mug, and you get hot water. Wouldn't they stir it? Then they give you the cup. Then it's up to you. Now, if you need milk and sugar, that's what you've got to do yourself, because his work is done. He's put the coffee in the cup and hot water in. That's your coffee. The rest of that, they add on extras. That's that's up to you. So then I'd spend fucking a minute trying to go in his kitchen to remember where the sugar was, and it had been moved, or where the milk was. But we had, we had a fucking good laugh in that kitchen, man. And then Maria would come in and we'd be sitting there giggling like wee schoolboys. And we would go up the stairs. And we would go up the stairs and within 30 seconds, Gary would fucking hit the roof. How have you not got this ready, Mal? How is this not sitting ready? Now, I used to just think, this is just three pals hanging out having a laugh. It doesn't matter how long it took, but... It used to fucking drive him mad how long we would have to wait for Marty Grady. But it was consistency because every single time, it doesn't matter, you know, even when, when he moved house and we would go and do some recordings there or we would do recordings on the Zoom. He was never on time and then when he was on time, it took him ages to get started. Even Ross told me, obviously we're telling stories, we're just talking, and Ross was telling me that he turned up at Miles House in Paisley to do to record vocals for a track that Mal was recording. And Mal opens the door and he's like, How you doing, mate? He's like, I'm good, I And Ross is like, I'm good, I as in I'm here, how you let me fucking in the house and Mal's like, Hey, what's up? And he says, What do you mean what's up? I'm here to record the vocals. Completely forgotten all about it. Completely forgotten all about it. And then of course Ross is like to me, and then it takes him a fucking hour to get everything set up. It was some boy, man. Do you know one thing I, I do love I, that I'm glad we did? Was the TBF stuff, right? Because that made us fucking laugh, man. It made us laugh so much. So that started where I I quite like tech stuff, right? I'm quite interested in like how how things work, and I'm not I'm not good at maybe working computer programs and things like that, so doing the audio for the show and making like the wee stings and stuff, 
when we would finish recording, and this is when it was the three of us, as soon as we finished recording, Gary would Gary would go, right? Gary would be off. Literally would say, right, thanks for listening, cheerio, and then it was headphones off and Gary would leave, right? And I would hang about two reasons. One, I wanted to hang about with my pal because I wasn't really going anywhere else. And two, I like to see how Mal did things. And I don't know how TBF came up, but we were, some some heroes might remember, but it was off that back of the song we did, He Touched Me, He Touched Me. And we stayed back, and he was messing about in a drum machine, and then we just started to record the, He Touched Me, do you want to go now? He Touched Me. <laughs> but that was the very first time, and I can vividly remember it, because... If you imagine it's a kind of long, narrow room, and at the end of the room is the is the window looking out into the garden, and all along the left hand side of the room was the desk. He had keyboards at the door just as you go in, drum machines, uh, and then down this wall had the the gold discs and the silver platinum discs and some different posters and things, tickets and stuff, bit of memorabilia, and then. At the bottom of the room, there was a kind of a desk, not a desk, but kind of like a, a chest of drawers or storage drawers, and there was kind of stuff on that. And he plugged down one of the drum machines, and we were just playing about with it. I say we, he was playing about with it, right? And I remember sitting watching him, thinking, "He's fucking good at this, man." I had no idea what he was doing, but twisted a few knobs, pushed a few buttons, and suddenly there's beats coming out. It. Fast forward, you know, a good number of years, and. Uh, we we decided we were going to try and do a TBF album, which sadly we never got to finish. But we did two tracks, or did we do three tracks? And see, sitting, I remember sitting in, in the new house, watching him make beats and layer all this together, and then us putting vocals over it in our horrific gypsy Northern Irish accents. And I can vividly remember sitting in, in that sofa, watching him going, you're fucking good at this, man. It was like watching, because he's my mate, and he's a good laugh, and I think he's a comedian, and he's a, you know, he's a talent, he's a creative, he's a talented person, but to see him do the thing that he loved doing the most, which was music, um, I mean, the thing he loved the most was riding and eating, but creating music to watch how that was done was wonderful, you know, and that's something I'll not forget. And I, I do remember sitting on that sofa going, he's fucking good at this. Aye. Well, I used to do it in Paisley, and it was a good laugh, man. We had some good times then. Uh, he would fucking go off his nut when stuff had been left, when the when the Waynes would, Osh would, would come into place PlayStation and use the monitor. And use the speakers and he would gaff his nut when things were left there. <laughs> but it's just good times, man. It's just good laughs, you know. And hearing all the stories of people and hearing everybody tell different stories at the funeral was just great, man. He uh, he did, he loved he loved doing the podcast. As did I. I loved doing it with him. I mean, the only thing he loved more than that was his food. It was, I mean, I, mean, I thought I loved food. No, I should phrase this better. He loved 
free food. There, there was a there was a very short period of time where, for whatever reason, the stars aligned. Who knows? But we got to do a series of food reviews on the podcast. I have no idea why they let us in. Now, also, I'm going to say this as well to the heroes who support the podcast, who have done for a number of years. We will become more and you know in in sync with each other. I will be doing a lot more to reach out to you and bring you content. But I'll be honest, I had no idea just how many people listened to the podcast. I really didn't. I had always just gone off the Patreon numbers. And I'll be honest, I, I thought we were I thought we were getting about five hundred to a thousand listens listeners a week. That's what I thought we were getting. And that could not be any further from the actual number. So to to everybody who has listened to the podcast, who has supported the show, who has told anybody about it, I cannot thank you all enough. And I am just so glad that so many people got to listen to me and my daft mate talk shit every week. Um, but it's been it's been beautiful to hear people who I would never even respect. I've got in touch me through Instagram and dropped me a DM to say that they listen to the show and I didn't I didn't even think that this many people listened to it so I I can't think it's enough. But there was a time when we were doing food reviews and the best one was when we went to smoke when it was still open in Glasgow, right? Which was oddly enough it was a barbecue place and I mean the the woman was lovely but they just seemed like they had too much money. It seemed like, not that they couldn't fail, but that if they did fail, it didn't matter because they were moving in circles where, you know, spending a couple of hundred grand setting up a barbecue restaurant in Glasgow really didn't impact them if it was to go belly up. I remember getting shown round the kitchens. <laughs> now, when we first turned up, right, let's, let's just go back to the start, Gibble. When we first turned up, the three of us went along and I think the woman was expecting, like, the BBC there. I thought sh she was expecting us to have camera riggings and, and everything and it was just three fucking idiots wanting a free dinner. <laughs> that was it. It was three guys wanting a free dinner. Th that's, all, that's all we wanted. I thought she was... She was wanting to like interview her and, and video stuff. Because at one point she says, do you want to see the kitchens? And I was like, yes. So she's showing us the smokers and there's no there's no gas. That was their big thing. There's no gas in the kitchen. We don't have gas set up. Everything is uh, either electric or it's in the smokers. So there's no gas. And I was like, right, fantastic. And I, I felt as, the way she kept saying it was as if like, you should write this down. And do you want to film the smokers and all that? Who the fuck do you think we are? <laughs> do you think this is a good food challenge? This is three fucking chancellors wanting a free dinner. <laughs> and we had it. So we, we eventually we sat down and we had a drink. 
and they brought us over like a, a, a platter each of all the different smoked meats and um, we had beef brisket and pulled pork and we just kind of beef stew thing and cornbread and all sorts and I remember sitting because I, I was sitting next to me and every every time we'd take a bite of food, he would just turn me and go, I can't believe this is free. I can't believe we're getting this for free. R- regardless of what we did with the podcast, regardless of how many people have listened to it, how many live tickets we sold, incredible messages that we got from people, from you guys, for heroes and for scumbags, but we got from you through lockdown saying that the podcast really lifted you out of a dark place. or And you also don't realise how much it lifted me and Mal out of a dark place. But of all those messages we got, of all the interactions we had over the years, the best thing that's ever happened to Mal with this podcast was that fucking free dinner and smoke. I know it was. I know it was because he would never shut up about it. <laughs> I can't believe this is free. I can't believe us it's free. And then even when we were leaving, he was fucking, he was like, Cloud, he was buzzing. I've got a fucking free dinner. <laughs> he loved it. He loved his food. However, as he was getting older, he was getting worse with the food reviews because I, I had to cut him off. He recommended a restaurant to the missus and I to go to in Glasgow. And it's so bad that I can't even remember the name of it. It's probably shut down now. That's how bad it was. And, eh, uh, we went and we had one of the worst experiences of our life. It was a small plate thing, right? Which sometimes I don't mind. I don't mind the small plates because you just order hundreds of small plates. But the the only the only thing that sends alarm bells to you, or it should send alarm bells to you when you get to, to eat, is when they say things like, "We will bring the plates as and when they're ready," because then that starts to panic. Because what happened? to us that night is the worst thing that can happen to you. They brought out all the food very slowly. We sat for nearly an hour. And then right at the end, once everything's done, they brought me out a plate of potatoes. So I'd ordered these potatoes as a side for like the fish and the pork and something else. And they just bring them when they're ready. So obviously somebody's forgot about potatoes. And then you're sitting just with a plate of potatoes between you. And you're like, well, we have to eat them because they're like fucking 16 quid for a plate of potatoes. So we're eating these. But after that, I get cut off. But then I start to think that... Does he just have a good experience everywhere he went? Because he was always just so happy. There's... there's he, he has been taken from us far too early. There is no rhyme or reason that anyone can give as to why my mate has died so young. But there is so much we can fucking learn from him, man, because he was just the happiest guy I've ever known. Yes, he would get angry. Yes, he would get stressed out. And he would stress himself out by doing things that would cause him stress that he did the needy day. But just watching all the old videos and the old clips, even for when he was a young man, right the way through to, you know, a couple of months ago, last year, even when he was in Australia in November, he was never no smiling, you know, he was always fucking happy, and maybe that's, maybe that's the thing we all need to start doing, 
you know, maybe maybe we all need to start just being happy in the lives that we've got. I'm gonna. Oh, I can't stop greeting, man. It's getting fucking ridiculous. I'm sorry, team. Maybe we all need to start being happy with what we've got. You know, instead of constantly every day stressing about not having this or not having that, maybe we've got to just take a step back for a minute and think, what have we got? We are here, we are alive, we have got people around us who love us. When did that stop being enough for us? You know, when did having a good partner or having a healthy family or having your own health when did that stop being enough? When did we start needing more? And how much fucking shit and grief and loss do we need to go through before we start realising, do you know what? What I've got is fucking good. I'm going to get up every day and I'm going to have a smile on my face. <laughs> and I know it's easy to say, Gibbo, because it's fucking hard, because life is shite, and we're all paying bills, and we're all skinning, and I get it. But stuff like money is not important. Stuff like bills and the stress, it's not important, man. They will get paid. They will get paid. And again, you may be sitting there going, like, Big Apple, I'm fucking skinny. I'm telling you, it's just excuses, man. It will get paid. Things will get better. you can work all the days under the sun you can work a 90 hour week if you want you could have tens of thousands millions in the bank and you could fucking die the morrow or you could get a horrific cancer diagnosis and be dead in two months and then what you gotta do we need to take a leaf out of Mal's book man and we need to fucking be happy We need to smile every day, and we need to laugh, and we need to brush off the stuff that's not important, and focus on the things that makes us happy. Family, friends, talking shite, eating fit. That's what we need to start doing, man. But honestly, I've never seen him happier. I've never seen him happier than when he's eating. When we went for that fucking smoke, and we went for a curry once as well, and he was delighted to have that. We went, maybe we went to Buck's Bar for lunch and of course 40 minutes late because he had to fucking take Maria somewhere <laughs> and then he turned up and again as soon as he came in you can't be mad at him even when he leaves you sitting for 40 minutes you can't be mad at him because he would come in with that big stupid smiley face of his and you'd think he's happy because he's seen me and then you go no he's happy because he's getting his dinner he was some guy man I talked about it at the funeral, but I was just trying to think of things that we'd done. And I don't know why it kept coming in my head, but when he first got when he first got the milk float, so the milk float story is he got an electric car, right? And it was an electric BMW. And I don't know what happened to it, something happened to it, but he traded it in 
and he finally got a Tesla. And I kept saying to him, if you're going to have an electric motor and you've not got a Tesla, what is the fucking point of having an electric motor, right? Because the rest of them are just electric cars. A Tesla is a fucking spaceship. So he finally got a Tesla. And I had never been in one. And I was over at the house once and it was charging up, couldn't go anywhere and I was raging. And then he came through to Edinburgh to meet me at my old house. And I went down to see the Tesla. And I was in it and I was like, this is cool as fuck. And we're driving about and he showed me different things and he showed me the fucking screens and we're putting the, the fire on. So, you know, and we're laughing and we're joking and we're taking the piss. And then he was telling me that you can change settings in it and you can change sounds in it. <clears throat> so you can change the sounds on, on everything. everything. Anything that makes a sound, you can change that sound. So the horn... You can change it to anything you want. And obviously it's two guys who have got the maturity of children. So we're wanting to change it to daft things. But the, the indicator stops. So when you turn a corner and you put the indicator on, instead of it making that, that clicking noise, you can change it to a fart sound. <laughs> and there's obviously different types of farts. Wee short ones. Big long ones. But we change it to a fart sound. And then we drove around Edinburgh for 15 minutes, doing Leith, doing Granton, just driving about, turning corners, very, you know, very efficient drivers, you know, letting everybody know, and every time it would make a fart sound, we would fucking laugh like schoolgirls, we would giggle our heads off. And then I remember we're coming back in, and I say still, <laughs> we went to turn back up into my road, so we came down uh, part of Leith Walk, and we're going along. Uh, the front, and I was telling, I went, take the next left, can I, can I strain in my voice, and he's laughing, going, are you trying to fart, and I says, I'm trying to do a fart, as we turn this corner, and he went, I've been trying to brew up a fart for the last five minutes, <laughs> the two are just driving about, trying to brew up fart, so we can out fart the Tesla, <laughs> and like I said, if you know, I wish I had a story about him and I, you know, walking through museums together and discussing fine art but I don't know why that's one of the things that sticks is try to drive about brew a fart in a Tesla in Edinburgh it was just such a good mate man and I'm just so glad that I had you know the podcast I really am I, I do you know one of my happiest memories, right? And I never told him this. Oh, I can feel myself going again. When I I did a show about mental health called Anywhere But Here. And no, it was called White Noise. <laughs> it was called White Noise. And uh I did it in St. Luke's and <clears throat> he had came along to see it. I had I'd put tickets on the door for him and him and Maria came because obviously he wasn't paying for a ticket and him and Maria came and I didn't know that they were in 
I didn't know <clears throat> I didn't know that he made it along because there was a chance he wasn't going to make it. And it was difficult as well because back in the early days when I was still doing clubs, I would be away a lot, so I never really got I only made it to two gigs, I type it in a minute, but And I remember doing the show and I remember two things vividly about that show because it was about mental health and it was about my mental health and I've spoken about it on the show when Mal would laugh and I've spoken about it many times in, on podcasts and things but it was at a time when I was you know, suicidal and I was thinking about taking my own life and someone in the crowd, a, a, a woman, a girl, I don't know who she was but I was saying things and I was doing that thing that you know, I suppose men typically do when they say stuff that's a bit more vulnerable or a bit more uh, raw with regards to how we're feeling and what we're thinking. And I said something and I said, I don't really know what I'm saying. And then somebody shouted out, what you're doing is right and keep talking. And I remember that kind of lifting me up and then I don't know what I did after that, but I said something else, and this was still quite early on, I said something else, and then all I could hear was Mal's laugh. All I could hear was Mal's laugh. And then I just knew that he was in the room. And I was so, I was so glad he was there, you know, because I, I loved it. I loved having him there. It felt like a support for me, felt like a support network and I think that if I'm being honest, it was because I was so proud of him I was so proud of all the work that he'd done and all the stuff that he'd created and to have the feeling that he supported me as well it was just wonderful to have him there I remember during all this somebody had sent me a message saying that they were sitting next to him that night in St Luke's and they were laughing at the show and then they would laugh even more <laughs> when he would laugh because he would recognise that laugh for the podcast and it honestly is one of the best laughs ever, it really is one of the nights, so one of the nights when I was doing a show in St Luke's I went straight to the Classic Grand after it where he was doing a rave and he didn't know I was coming and I came in and Pauline let me in and I managed to sneak up the back and the look in his wee face when I was standing at the back of the decks was brilliant man, I'll never forget that because he turned around and he was pure cheering and then he's like Aah! and then gave me a big cuddle I'll never forget that night man, that was wonderful and another, a night I'll never forget as well, I'll tell you this I'll tell you this much he was doing a gig in the Barrowlands a number of years ago, some of you may have been there, and I'd said to him that I was going to do a gig, it may have been in Edinburgh, I was doing a gig somewhere, and I was coming back, and I'll try and drop in. And this was at a time in my life where, just before writing that mental health show, I wasn't in a good place, I was living with a horrible, horrible cunt of a woman, and I, didn't, I never wanted to go home. I used to be driving back, uh, and I didn't really have anywhere to go because there was no kind of late night spots and things like that in Glasgow. So I, I had to go home, and I used to I used to drive hours out of the way, and I used to take coastal roads and things like that home, just so that I would stay out longer. And, and 
one thing I didn't want to go home, and the second thing when I knew I had to go home, I would do it deliberately to get home extremely late, so I knew there was no chance anybody would be up. But this night I was like, I don't want to go home, and I went back into Glasgow, and I went into the Barrowlands, and I remember I said to the girl at the desk, I went, I said, listen, I know the, the gig's well underway, I mean, it's like two hours in at this point, I says, but I know, I says, Mallorca, he's a, a friend of mine, and I think he's left tickets for me, and I remember saying that now, it might be under Scott Gibson, and if it's no under Scott Gibson, it'll be under Fats, <laughs> it'll be under Fats, <laughs> oh. he used, you know, he used to send pictures of like his dinner and things like that when he would make steaks, or oh, when he was in holiday with Maria and he would have an amazing dinner, he would send pictures out of the group chat and I would just reply every time, you fat pig. <laughs> you fat pig. Every single time. <laughs> you know, you can go on Instagram, uh, Instagram, WhatsApp, and you can search. Uh, I didn't realise you could do this till recently. You can, you can search in the chat for specific words. And I searched for the word love, oddly enough, just to make myself feel a bit better, to remind myself that, you know, I told him I loved him, over and over, and, uh, and then I searched for the word fat, <laughs> it's like over 3,000 times, fat pig, so I got to Barrowlands and she says, the ticket are here, Scott Gibson. And I says, that's brilliant, thanks so much. I says, it's just one ticket. She went, yep, it's just one ticket. And she says, so that's £10. And I went, no, I says, it's a, I says, it's a comp. And she went, oh, we've got a note here that all the comp tickets have been asked to give a £10 donation to charity. And I went, are you fucking kidding me on? <laughs> so he's that tight bastard. Is that charity my local e by any chance? So I had to pay a tenner. And I remember getting in and I went in the Barrowlands, and I didn't know what to expect, and it was fucking rammed, and everybody was going mental, and the rave team was in full flow, it was wonderful to see, it actually felt as though, as I was walking up the stairs, I was going back in time, because it's the old 90s dance music, but the people there were, were my age plus, you know, some people were in their 20s, most were in their 30s, 40s, even 50s, and there was no, you know, there's no young fashionistas or there's just people there sweating their tits out at their fucking face and ectos man just enjoying themselves and I remember I came if you've ever been in the Barrowlands uh, you know I hope you have if you know you, you need to go to a gig at the Barrowlands and I came up the stairs and then I kind of turned and you can see the pillars and then the dance floors through the pillars so I walk through and I can just see him on stage with the beanie hat and the white t-shirt going fucking bananas going absolutely mental, running about, up and down, daft, jumping, screaming, shouting, and I remember thinking, if he does this much exercise gigging, how is he still a fat bastard? <laughs> and I remember trying to push away to the front, and I was just standing like, trying to get his attention, and then when he finally looked, he's like, oh, I went, you owe me £10, you fucking dick. <laughs> £10 for a ticket to get and see him at the Barrowlands. Unbelievable. He's some man, he really was. But that and the last we used to have at the live shows were just wonderful. Maria would tell him not to get drunk, we'd get steaming out of a box. 
I don't know if people remember it now, but there was one time when Ma was maybe going out for dinner after it with Scott and Roslyn, and he was so drunk he had to get led into the car. There's a video of Maria filming him getting taken out like a prisoner, fucking going across a courtyard, getting led into the car. He was that steaming. But we had some fucking good laughs doing that live show, man. I remember when I first told him about Frank Sinatra. And I says, it's a guy. He went, Frank who? I says, Frank Sinatra. He went, what the fuck is that? I says, it's a Frank Sinatra tribute act dressed as Hitler. <laughs> and as soon as I said that, he just done the big laugh. He's like, yes. I went, I know, mate. Yes, that is exactly what a hashtag show needs. A Frank Sinatra tribute act dressed as Hitler. We had some good times, man. We really did have good times. And I always remember being in the in the green room before it and walking up the stairs and not really knowing what we were going to talk about or where it was going to go, have a rough running order and And sometimes we made magic and sometimes it fell on its arse, but no matter what we did, it was a laugh. And oddly enough, <laughs> looking back now at some of the videos and things, some of the live recordings we did as well, just in the small room in the Classic Grand, some of them were fucking gold, man. Absolute gold. And I'm just so glad that we've got them. I really, really am. But everybody who you met, you know, if you met them once, it felt like you knew him for years, it really did. And it's just because he had such fucking joy, man. He was just so happy. You know, everything was just happy. Everything was a laugh. And we all need to try and take a wee bit of that. We need to try and take a wee bit of that mal joy. And put that in our lives, man. Because we've lost a fucking great man. But we need to learn for it. We need to learn for it. <sighs> one thing he did ask and one thing I'll urge you all to do um, he put a post up at Facebook about it as well but he he loved the rave team he loved 1994 he loved the hashtag heroes he loved doing the podcast he loved his family more than anything on this planet and he was proud of everything that he did and he was extremely proud of the album that he made, 2018, and it's songs from a short film, No One Will See. It is on Spotify. I'm pretty sure it's also on Apple Music. If you haven't listened to it, please go and listen to that. Songs from a short film, No One Will See. Mollerkily, released in 2018. And just listen to it. Um, because that's what he wanted everyone to do and his post had said and his big Sherry had said during the funeral as well if you want to know him then listen to that album so I will urge you all to do that um, at some point so please do go and give it a listen to the heroes out there if you have got any pictures um, or videos from live shows or live recordings um, of Mal or Mal and I or just the madness that was today's please send them to me um, I'd love to see them I really would because it's making me smile quite a few people have sent me stuff from the live shows that I'd 
totally forgotten all about. So if you've got any images or any videos or anything at all, please do send me them. Um, I am on Facebook, um, Scott Gibson. And I'm on Instagram, which is at Big Scott Gibson. Instagram is probably the one that I'm on the most. So uh, if you want to get in touch with me, then, you know, follow me on there and drop me a drop me a DM with the images if you can. It'd be great to see them. Um, th this has just been a bit of a ramble. This has just been uh, this has just been me talking because I wanted to talk to you and I wanted to get back to speaking again. The podcast will never get back to normal. It's not going to be normal again. It's never going to be what it was, but it will be something else. And we will continue on. We'll continue on with the podcast. We'll continue on building the heroes. And we'll make sure that as we move forward, Mal comes with us and his memory lives forever. Because as long as we keep telling stories about him and we keep sharing the good times, he'll never die. And that's our job now. Our job is to keep keep telling the stories about Mal, keep listening to the music, keep listening to the old episodes, and just keep moving forwards. I'll um, I will get around to uh, adding more to the back catalogue. I will also put all of the Malarkali um, <laughs> Cheeky Mal podcast episodes, which are fucking wild, by the way. Wild. I'll make sure there's quick links to them on the website and I'll tidy up the Patreon. All of that is going to happen. I would just ask you, just give me a bit of time and I will get to it. I promise I will get to it. Um, because I want us all to be able to enjoy the work that Mal and I did and I want to make sure that it's accessible for us quick and easy so you don't need to go digging around for stuff um, but there's there's a lot there's a lot on me there now um, but we'll get there we'll get there so keep supporting the show keep listening I cannot explain how much I love you all, and thank you so much for all the messages. Um, that would have been a lot fucking harder if I didn't have the heroes. So thank you all, man. Look after yourselves. I'll speak to you next week. Stay safe. Love is our currency. Take care of yourselves. Always. Thank you. Good night. 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 Good night.